Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Good morning, church. Actually, I grew up in a Bible church, so I've got a lot of Bible in me, actually. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know that could go both ways. Your church has actually impacted my life. Uh, I grew up going to Pinecombe, being part of Pinecombe. That is how I got to know Matt and have watched him open the Word of God and let God speak through the Word of God in his mouth to me. And God's impacted me that way. I also was mentored for two years by one of your former pastors, Jim Rose. Any of you all here when Jim Rose was here? Some of you here in the room were. He's one of the major reasons that I am now in the church ministry and not camping ministry. He pushed my wife and I. Out of, uh, out of camp and into church. And so he's impacted my life. But I also have known many in your congregation that have been part at camp. Watching the love of God in and through their lives has encouraged me in my walk with Christ. Uh, Dana, who's now married to Josiah, y'all's uh, youth pastor. I got, which, Jeremiah, whoa, yes, Jeremiah. Uh, we went to college together and have watched as God has used their life here. Anyway, you've impacted my life. Last week, this is why I was prompted to kind of start this time with this. We had an event at our church where we were uh, kind of hosting a large ministry for a fundraising event, and their keynote speaker was a guy by the name of Carlos Zapovida. I don't know if you all know that name, but he was the president and CEO of Interstate Batteries for like 15 years until just a few years ago. And if you know anything about what Interstate has done standing up for their faith in the business community, it's impacted really our culture in a lot of ways. And he talked about going to college at Texas, in Austin, and being part of this church, changing his life. And here's what I want you to hear, just as a guy that gets to go stick his head in another church. Y'all have impacted my life, and I haven't been here with y'all. I've never lived in Austin. I'm a hick from the piney woods of East Texas, is who I am. But God has just chosen to work in and through your lives. This is what the body of Christ gets to do to change the world. And if you've invested here, and I want to encourage you to do that, if you've invested here with your time, with your talents, with your resources, you're investing in what God is doing around the world through this church. It's crazy to me to think about. And it's a joy, and I'm really humbled and honored to be here. If you've got a Bible, turn with us to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as you're turning to Romans chapter 6, which is where we want to get our message this morning, I'm going to give you a little illustration to lead us into that time. I stood up in front of a church eight years ago and got married. If you've had that day, you know it's kind of a big day. If you haven't had that day, you've probably thought about that day and look forward to that day. Why? Because entering that relationship with that person you think is probably going to change your life maybe more than any other relationship with a person, if you're a Christian, other than Christ, obviously. You, you've anticipated that day, big day. Well, this is what happened, big day for me, okay? Big day for me. I get with my friends in the back right before the service. We start to pray, and all of a sudden I start getting emotional thinking about this time. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm the man, right? The man in this relationship. And I did get out there and stand firm and have her come forward and kind of be, yes, I love you, I will, I do, yes, and here we go, and we can get married, right? That's what I'm thinking, but I'm starting to get emotional. I'm like, this is not good. More pictures probably taken of me that day than any other day of my life, right? It's going to hang on my wall. I need to keep it together. Well, get up front, look at people. I kind of tr- feel like I'm holding together, smiling, all the people that love me. Doors open, boom, there's my bride. She starts walking, and she's cute, and I love her very much. 
in the anticipation of us getting to be together in a relationship for the rest of our life is overwhelming. She's walking down the aisle, and I start feeling the tears come. Like I'm emotional. Anybody else was emotional in their, their marriage? Yeah, wedding. Yes, a few guys. Thank you. Men, I saw hands go up. Yes, I'm not alone. All right, so she walks up front, and then we turn around to face the pastor, which is a good thing because I think I can get it together again. And I thought I had somewhat got it together again until we face each other. And he says, okay, Sam, repeat after me. And he says, say these words, I, Sam, take you, Rebecca. And this is what happens. I, Sam, take you, I'm nothing audible. Like, this is bad, okay? Not only am I losing it here, but I'm losing it. These words are really important to come out, Right? And maybe the most important words for me to, I'm losing it. Okay, through the whole vows until it gets to the part where it says, and with this ring, I thee wed. And it comes out, this wing, 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 I thee wed. Everybody heard wing, including my wife. It was like all they heard in the vows. And so when Rebecca said her vows, she actually said wing also. So this is, this is uh, my wedding wing. Okay, now. Now, now, God in his sense of humor, as I was entering into this relationship, didn't just allow tears to be coming from here and from here, but also from here. Now, I was, I really, I mean, I don't know the time that I've been this emotional in a happy state. This, this could be bad. Okay. Uh, in a ha- but but the, the, the viscosity of these tears are different than the viscosity of these tears. I don't know if you've noticed that. So, I mean, these tears would just kind of go to the chin and then drip off, right? Now, this tear did not. Now, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We had a stained glass window behind us that was lighting up her veil, making her look even more like an angel, not helping the emotions going on here. But little did I know, I didn't know this thing existed. It was also lighting up this radioactive string... That was hanging below my arms, okay? It's in the video. It's there, okay? So it goes down, and it drips off at one point, and then it goes down and just hangs there for a while, and my wife reaches up, grabs it during this exchange, and throws it. We still don't know where it went. Love, okay. Back step, all right? Here, here's, here's where I want you to, what I want you to see, okay? Our relationship with God, number one, parallel in scripture is God the Father. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, number one parallel in scripture, anybody know? He is our groom. We are his bride. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we unite with him in some kind of a crazy supernatural marriage. And what you're going to see today is that marriage can and will, if you understand the power that your relationship with Jesus Christ has given you, it can and will change your life. It's not just, I believe, and now since penalty is done away with, and this is the gospel, this is what Paul has said up to this point. Chapters 1 through 5, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes. He's very clear. Grace is said nine different times in chapters 1 through 5. It's not what we do. It's what he's done, right? That saves us. Amen? Right? Jesus has saved us. That was a Baptist thing I just did right there. Amen. Yeah. That's coming. Yeah, okay. He has saved us, right? And he goes through chapter 1 through 5, and he says, because of what Jesus has done, 
What you have done can get taken care of. You're, what you've done is the wages of sin is death, he will say in letter chapter 6. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 5 starts with, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. No, I'm saying that's, there, here we go. I'm going to look at it real quick. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, yes, we have peace with God. I did say it right. Through whom we have gained access by faith, he says, into this grace in which we now stand. And so what he's going to be doing in chapter 6 is talking to people who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus to forgive their sin and to justify them before God. And I think for many of you in the room here, that's you. But maybe you've just placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You've gotten fire insurance, and you know I'm supposed to come to church. But in your life, you're still struggling with the same sins that were there before. Right? You're still in the flesh. And you're falling, and you're not living any different. And you're thinking, really, is this what this marriage with Christ is supposed to look like? At the end of chapter 5, he says, it doesn't matter how much sin you have. We're just saying this. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more to cover your sin. So some people think, well then, I guess I just keep leave, living the way I was living. The more sin, the more glory to God. Actually, Rasputin thought that. And Paul will attack that here. And I want you to see, watch the power in the words of Romans chapter 6. For believers, for your freedom, your new life. Because of your relationship with Christ. Here we go, verse 1, chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? If more sin, more grace, should we just keep sinning? Verse 2. By no means. The original language, meh, meh. It's two double negatives, absolutely not. God forbid is the way that King James translates it. It's a very strong word, H-E-double-L hockey sticks. I mean, he's saying, do not, do not. Why? Watch. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You want to be transformed? Because of Jesus Christ, pray with me, Father. I pray that the words today that are your words that you wrote through Paul would impact our lives. In your own hearts right now, pray. Ask him. Just inv- I don't even know. Maybe you don't even know Jesus potentially. I just want to invite you to, 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 invite you to open your hearts and your ears to what, what the Bible says about what Jesus offers to believers. And if you do know him, ask him to to help you understand what this relationship with Jesus does in and through you for his glory. And I would also ask that you pray for me that my words would be accurate to the Bible and clear. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what do we need to know in order to live free from sin as an authority? Now, this is not a message that's going to say you can no longer sin, period. You're never going to sin again. That's not what Paul's going to say. Actually, in chapter 7, he'll say, 
I don't want to do what I do, and I hate what I do, and blah, 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 and I still live, but, but, but Christ has set me free. He'll end that time talking about. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not. You're not. But many of you here in the room are living under a sin issue, an addiction that's, that's controlling you, a bitterness that you haven't let go of, a habit that you can't get rid of. And Paul is going to show you that through Jesus, that changes. Watch what he says, okay? First thing you need to know is we are united with Jesus. He's going to tell you three things you need to know. If you notice, in the, if you're just taking notes in your own Bible, verse 3 says, do you not know? Do you not know? He wants to make sure they know something. Verse 6, we know that. Do you see that? Now verse 9, we know that. So we're going to try to let his outline be our outline. What is he telling us we need to know? First thing, that we are united with Jesus. Watch what he says. He's going to use baptism to illustrate this point. He's talking about sin as an authority being taken away. Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Wow, okay, big words. Actually, until you said that joke about Baptists, I didn't even... This is the longest passage on baptism in the whole New Testament. I'm not teaching about baptism. In fact, he's not. What he's doing is he's using baptism as an illustration so that you understand what happens when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Baptism is an outward sign of what happened inwardly, right? And this is what he reminds us of. You are united with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection. You are with him when he went to the cross. And Jesus died to sin, and he has risen again to live a new life, and you're with him. You're with him. That's what baptism symbolizes. I've placed my faith and trust in Christ. I am now united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And guess what? That means you get new life. How does that relate to sin? How does that relate to sin? Well, it relates to sin in in a lot of ways. But but we read here on the screen during worship out of Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what that's saying? There is no power There's no power here that will not bow at the name of Jesus. And guess who you're with? When sin comes knocking at your door, it says, hey, let's go do this again. You are with who? Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? 
You, you, you grow up in, in high school. I was not a cool kid growing up at all. Okay, if you're not a cool kid right now, hang in. You'll be a not cool adult. It's going to be awesome, right? Okay. Guess what? I, I, I started, uh, I was homeschooled up until junior high, started junior high, high school. I tried to play all the sports and it didn't work out. I don't know why. Okay. No, anyway, uh, but there were a couple of guys in our school that were punks and they would like to pick on a few guys. And I became one of the guys they want to pick on unless I had two friends that were big guys. And for some reason, I, because I, was, I, played on the, I played first, second, and left bench on the football team, but I played on the football team. When those guys were with me, you understand? When sin comes knocking at your door, you've got to know that you are united to Jesus. You are with him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So then he continues. Second thing he's going to tell us we need to know is we are no longer slaves to sin. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Did you hear that? (laughs) Your body of sin, he's going to say, your old self What came from Adam in chapter 5. What you were born into. Watch what he says. We know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Literally the word there is rendered inactive. It's basically taking the engine out of the car. Is what Jesus has done. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. I love it when Paul gives us the illustrations. He gives us baptism. Now he's going to give us another one. Slavery. Now, one of the tragic, in fact, the most tragic, I would say, part of U.S. history was slavery being legal at one point. Oh, can you imagine Okay. After the Civil War, after the Civil War, a tragic thing happened in some of the rural, 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 East Texas boy trying to talk, rural, 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 yes, areas, not towns. Tragic. Some of these slave owners didn't tell their slaves that they had been set free. And no one came to tell them that they were free. For some of them, they lived in slavery for sometimes months and even years. Tragic. Why? Because no one told them. Paul's telling you. God's telling you through Paul. You're free. You're free. Okay? You're no longer a slave to sin. Why? Because you're united with Jesus. Third thing is our relationship to sin that we now have through Christ. Our relationship to sin is permanent. It's third blank there if you're taking notes. It's permanent. Look what he says. 
verse 8. I'm going to actually pick up there. I know it's saying 9 on the screen. Verse 8, he says, Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for, if you have the ESV, what is it saying? Once for what? All. Once for all. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. I, look, I love as you look at this passage, every time it refers to death in this passage, it's past tense for the Christian. Every time it refers to life in this passage, it's present and it's future tense because of Jesus. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. This relationship to sin is permanent. Again, I want to cheat and use his illustration here. Have you ever watched someone die? Have you ever watched someone die? Uh, it's, you, you're not going to forget it if you have, and especially if it's someone close to you. Uh, I, I was in the room uh, the last day my, my grandfather was alive, dying of lung cancer. And I remember he was on hospice. I remember watching him breathe. Maybe you've been around this and you've seen it before. It's like, <sighs> And then there was this long pause. And then all of a sudden, and then this long pause again. And we kept, we kept hanging on every breath. Why? Because we knew at one point there would be a last breath and he would die. And apart from the miraculous work of God, physically, not glorified body, which he was getting, death for Christians is a different experience. Okay, we get to rejoice in it. But physically, he was not going to breathe again. He was going to die, and that death was going to be permanent. Okay? Now, again, apart from the glorified body resurrection, here's what I want you to see. When Jesus went to the cross, and he had his arms spread out, and he cried out, Tetelestai! It's finished! The penalty for sin was done away with. And the power that sin could have over you was removed. When he breathed his last, it died. Isn't that crazy? I, this, Romans 6, if, do you understand? Do you know this? Do you know? We're united with Jesus. We're no longer slaves to sin. And our relationship to sin, this is all through Jesus, is permanent. You know that. If you do, what do we need to do about it? Okay, verse 10. <clears throat> this verse has uh, really transformed my life. I've told you before I'm not perfect. Uh, even last night, here, I'll share this with you last night. We, uh, my wife, for her birthday, wanted tickets to an Aggie game. 
So we bought tickets a long time ago for the Old Miss game, not knowing that we're going to move the time to 8 o'clock at night. So the A&M game was 8 o'clock last night. Went to the game, had fun. We got killed. Can I say A&M in Austin? I think it's still okay, right? Anyway, we drove back. We get to our hotel about 1 o'clock. We had called ahead making sure they had the room that they knew we were going to be getting there later. And we show up and they're like, we're so sorry we gave your room away. I'm like, there were sinful thoughts in my mind. <laughs> so we started calling around and hotels were booked up in Austin last night. Like last night of the, yeah, big so we're calling around. It's like 20 minutes before we found a room. Then we get the room. We go to this hotel. We walk in the room, and just the s- s- smell of uh, stench hits us. And we, and we walk in. We get to the other side of the bed, and the whole floor was water. I'm like, so we call the front desk. You know your AC is leaking. In this room. No, we don't, but that's the only room. I'm like, okay, we'll sleep here. 6 a.m. this morning, the fire alarm starts going off. I I had some sinful thoughts, okay? But so, so now this this doesn't mean I'm free from sin. But what this does mean is sin has no authority in my life. And if I choose to live in what I know to be true, then I don't have to live there. I can say no more to that, and I can walk with Jesus. I wish I could tell you to do it all the time, but here's, here's, watch. What do we need to do? First imperative command in the whole book of Romans. What he's about to say. To this point, all he's done is tell you your identity in Jesus. To tell you about what he has done because of what you have done. That your sin, your sin is taken care of because of Jesus Christ. So you can say now, you can say now that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Joy does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 5. He's told us about our identity. First thing we need to do. Watch. Verse 11. So you also must... Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at what he says. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. Imperative command. And it's an interesting command. That what we must do, consider, if you have NIV, count yourselves. Literally, it's a realizing, logically considering, thinking of oneself this way. It's believing that this is now your identity. You may have heard that, yes, you are converted by grace through faith in Christ, you're also sanctified by grace through faith in Jesus. How does those two things go together? Well, we believe he saved us from sin's penalty, but we also must believe he saved us from sin's power if we're going to be sanctified or any different. You also must consider yourself dead to sin. What does that look like? Okay, 
I want to show you the parallel that he draws. If you have the NIV there, you're, you're reading, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. You also. What is he paralleling our relationship to sin to? Look at verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul wants you to see because of your relationship with Jesus. Okay? This is, okay, we decided. Because of what he's done, not because of who you are. If you try to conquer the battle of sin on your own, you're going to fall every time. If you try to conquer the battle of sin with Jesus, believing in who he has made you to be now, sin has no authority in your life. Okay? I want you to say this with me. Sin has no authority in my life. Say that with me. Sin has no authority in my life. It's because of Jesus. Again, sin has no authority in my life. One more time. Sin has no authority in my life. Do you believe it? Okay. Paul says, you also must consider yourself dead to sin. My wife in her journal, when she was studying this passage back in college, we were looking through journals, she wrote this out. No temptation is too strong. No sin is too large. No stronghold too ingrained. We have been set free from sin, and it is no longer our master. And then she wrote, believe it, underline, and claim it, underline. I love it. You're free. The sentence doesn't end considering yourself dead to sin, does it? And alive to God. So many people try to fight sin this way. So many people think, I'm not going to think about lusting it right now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, oh, I just thought about it. Oh, not going to do that anymore. Not going to think about that. Oh, I just did it again. Or, ah, oh, man, I'm not going to think about gluttony or bluebell, or blue, I, which is one of my issues at times. I know it doesn't look like it, but I love bluebell. And I, oh, I'm still thinking, I really, really want, you realize that focusing on not sinning is not all that God calls you to do, is it? The goal in our life is not to not sin. The goal in our life is to become like him. And it only happens through him. Because we're with him, what does he say? To consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You're not just dead. You are alive, right? Sin is dead, but Jesus is alive in you. And your body is with him alive to God. What does that look like? Keep going. He's going to tell us. Verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your immortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as uh, uh, members to God as instruments 
for righteousness. Here we go. Men, accountability for me in my life changed when my group stopped talking about what we weren't going to do and we started talking about what is God leading us to do and believing that we were alive to God started holding each other accountable to righteousness. And guys, it will get sin out. Because, hey, okay, you ever heard idle hands are a devil's workplace? Yes. No, don't just sit. Hey, I'm going to talk about two words that he said twice. One was instruments. He talks about your members of your bodies as instruments. The word there, instruments, can also be interpreted as weapon. Weapon. Okay, look up here at me. My body's a weapon. Paul just told me so. But here we go. Even though I don't feel like a weapon all the time, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either offering my body as a believer, it says, and we're offering, we can offer our bodies as weapons, as instruments for evil, for unrighteousness. You can fight for the wrong team. Don't do that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> or you can offer, look at your hands. I want you to say with me, my, my body's a weapon. Look at your hands. My body's a weapon. Say it with me again. My body's a weapon. Okay. Husbands, you can look at your wives now and say, my body's a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It is. What are you doing with it? Hey, I know that through this church, you can have many opportunities to serve in this church, to serve outside of the walls of this church in Austin, and even farther than that, if you so choose that this church can help you connect to ministry opportunities, invite you to do that. If you don't know what to do for God, but I want to invite you into a relationship with God that's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry I messed up, but saying, God, what do you want to do with me today? That's going to defeat sin in your life. The second thing I want you to see, the second thing I want you to see, said twice, is offer. Do not offer the parts of your bodies or present Offers NIV. That's what I originally learned this passage in with my bride. Present, in ESV says, do not present your members to sin or offer them as instruments of righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to Him. So, what does that word present, offer? How do we do that? It's, it, that word can also be interpreted as surrender. Surrender. In your life, you're choosing to do one of two things. Either surrender your body to sin, which has no power over you, or offering yourselves, surrendering yourself to God and saying, use me. ISIS, y'all been keeping up with the news. Tragic what's going on in the world right now, right? Tragic. We've got to be praying that God would save, and that he would overcome this evil that's happening. But here, here and now on this stage, okay, I'm not currently threatened by ISIS. But, but I could get, I looked online, I could get a ticket for $918 and fly over to Turkey tomorrow. And I could find a cab and I could try to drive out there. And then they would probably not get me close, but maybe they'd point me the right direction and maybe find some military area and, and get up close and go knock on some door and say, I surrender. That would make no sense for me to do that. For something that currently, yes, it's evil, but it's not threatening my life. For me to surrender my life to it, that, that, that's what we do as Christians. A defeated foe. If you're with Jesus, don't offer your body to sin. Last verse. Why? Why? 
4, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under, what's the word? Grace. Since you are not under the law, but under what? Grace. Undeserved favor frees us from sin's penalty and sin's power. Pray with me. In your own hearts right now, I don't know what this looks like. Uh, maybe you need to confess to him sin that has power right now that you feel and you don't know what to do with, but you, you, you want to claim your new identity. So I'll just c- confess that sin to him. Be open about it with him. And then I want you to just tell him that I'm, I'm going to, best I know how right now, Father, believe. I'm going to consider myself dead to this sin as a power and alive to you. So show me what that looks like for your glory. For sin will not have dominion over you, since you're not under the law, but under grace. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.